Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Today is a special day for me. If you're listening on the day of release, you're listening on my 30th birthday. The show is definitely not about me, but I did want to take a minute to reflect on this milestone because it's hard to believe that it's actually happening. Like most people, I used to think that 30 was so old, but I truthfully feel now like I'm just getting started in life and I'm so excited to see what's ahead. Now, it's okay if you haven't gotten me anything yet. I'm sure you've just been busy and it slipped your mind. All I ask is that you subscribe, rate, and review the show if you haven't already done so. And in return, I'll continue to work hard to produce content that helps you maximize your motivation to pursue your most important goals. Today's guest is Dr. Hayden Finch. Hayden is a licensed clinical psychologist, a behavior change expert, and author. She is the CEO and founder of the Finch Center for High-Functioning Anxiety and the author of two books on procrastination and habits. Her mission is to equip people with the skills to master anxiety, discover self-acceptance, and find meaning in a busy life. Hayden talks quite a bit about how to approach procrastination during our conversation, and I think you're going to find her message highly practical and immediately useful. I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say, so let's get started. Here's Hayden. Hayden, it's so good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, of course. Yeah, this is going to be such a great conversation. I'm excited because I just learned you wrote a book called The Psychology of Procrastination, and I know that procrastination is a topic that so many of us struggle with and want to know more about. So I'd be curious to start off the conversation just by hearing what motivated you to write a book on procrastination. And I'd even love to hear how that topic plays a a role in your life as well. Yeah, it's interesting because that's definitely not where my career started. But one thing I was noticing in my clinic was 
that that was a common theme among almost all of my clients, if not probably all of them, um, was that they were all struggling with procrastination in one way or another. So I had to start learning more about it and figuring it out because it seemed to not really matter what our goals were or what interventions I was using. They would just like procrastinate on them. And so I had to figure out clinically how to address that. So that's what got me thinking about it and researching it more. And then ultimately I decided to write a book on it because I felt like my approach to it was a little bit different than what I had read previously. Yeah, that's interesting. So unpack that a little more for us. What makes your approach different? Most people, when they talk about procrastination, they they jump to the behavioral side. And as a psychologist that's pretty behavioral, I've always been excited about that. And so what I mean by that is they jump to time management for um, overcoming procrastination. So I'm going to make a schedule. I'm going to, you know, figure out when I'm going to do things. I might even break things down into steps, all of the things that, you know, we normally think about. And all of that is important. Um, it's definitely a necessary part of overcoming procrastination. But what I was learning was that people were neglecting this emotional side of it, which is how does it feel when I actually get to sit down and write that paper. So writing the paper was on my schedule for 10 o'clock on Friday morning. But when I actually sit down, how do I feel? And how does that dictate whether I actually follow through with it or make up an excuse and go do something else? And so that emotional piece became really important for me to write about and figure out. Yeah, definitely framing our goals is important. How we think about what we're gonna do is important. We have to have a reason for engaging in a task, even if it's something pretty mundane, like unpacking the dishwasher, we have to have a compelling reason to do that. And part of that is emotional because otherwise when I get to the dishwasher, there's going to be a lot of other stuff that's more compelling to do than, you know, to do something that's that tedious. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before we jumped on the call, this idea that we're more motivated to do something that is further in the future. So for example, I make plans to do something next week and I feel motivated to do that today, but then next week comes and all of a sudden I don't feel motivated to do that task. So explain a little more what's happening there. Yeah, yeah there's a fancy term for it that we call hyperbolic discounting, um, which is neither here nor there, but it is sort of like describing the slope of this curve, which is that our motivation for something um, will decrease considerably over over time. So as the, um, the deadline appears, like we'll be... Um, uh, maybe less motivated to engage in it. At the same time, if, if it's something with um, like a legitimate deadline, we might feel more anxiety or pressure. And so that might kind of get us over that hurdle. But if it's something without a deadline, like just unloading the dishwasher or um, folding some clothes or going to the gym or something like that, you can find that your motivation was a lot stronger yesterday than it is today when you're actually setting out to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as you do this work, I'm sure it impacts the work that you do with your clients. How have you found that this knowledge about procrastination impacts your own life and the way that you approach tasks? I think the, the biggest thing is making sure that I'm focusing on the right thing. So I know that for my clients and for me, it, it's going to be important to focus on what I want to do and when I want to do it and you know to chunk it appropriately to set you know very specific goals. But I have to think about how I'm going to feel in the moment. And I have to be prepared to have some good coping skills in my toolkit to use in the moment. Otherwise, my own brain is going to outsmart me and take me off course. And so that's really the game changer is preparing for the emotional stuff and not just, you know, where am I going to fit this in my schedule? Mm -hmm. And that's so interesting. So I have a couple of thoughts on feelings and I'll be curious to hear your reaction to these. So my first thought is that feelings are data 
You know, we shouldn't mm-hmm. disregard feelings. They're trying to tell us something. But at the same time, our feelings aren't always infallible. And I guess that leads me to this question, which is how much control do we have over the way that we feel? Yeah, that's interesting, right? So yeah, one is that you're arguing like feelings exist for a reason. Humans, like our brains are designed to create emotions for a reason. We believe that they are evolutionarily advantageous. So we want to believe that that, that's important information. And we might not always want to act behaviorally on the information that they're giving us. And so we do have to kind of come in and be thoughtful about, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed in this moment. I can't control that. Like that's just happening. My body's just going to create that feeling. But what I can control is whether I respond to that or how I respond to that. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, my body wants me to kind of shut down or quit. But that doesn't mean I have to. I can override that behavioral response and actually like continue to engage with something, even though I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it may be more or less difficult to control that behavioral response, depending on what type of emotion it is or how intense it is. But the general concept exists that my behavior is separate from my feelings. And so regardless of how I'm feeling, I can kind of behave in line with that or I can actually behave opposite to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So what is something else that's helpful or something that you get excited to talk about from the book that we haven't covered yet? Um, I don't know if I even covered this in the book, but when I'm thinking about motivation as it comes to procrastination, um, there's an acronym that that we use in psychology that kind of um, kind of summarizes what you need to be able to be motivated to do a task. And any part of that. So it's, it's like five different um, points and, and you have to make sure that all five are there. So the method is called darn C D A R N C is, is the acronym. And so we have to have desire, right? I have to want to do something. I have to have ability. I need to be able to do something and believe that I'm able to do it. I need to have a reason to do it. I need to need to do it, right? It's gotta be something that like actually needs to be done. And I need to have a commitment to doing it. Uh, meaning that I promise myself I'll do this. And so when we're when we're trying to build motivation or find motivation, going through each of those criteria can be helpful to just make sure that all are in line. Or if there's not one, if one of those is kind of missing, trying to figure out a way to frame it so that we can create um, all five elements of, of motivation. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful. I love that. As you work through that with clients, do you find that out of those five, there's one that is most often lacking or does it more just depend on the person? I find with a lot of my clients, the ability one can be lacking in terms of like just self-confidence. Like I'm not sure that I really can do this. So say they're going to try to set up a fitness routine or something. They may have failed with that so many times that they don't really believe that they can do it, right? They might sort of like superficially say, oh, I can do this, but like really believe down deep that they can do it. Or the reasons piece, like people kind of skip over that. We really need to have a compelling reason and just going to the gym just because I'm supposed to or going to bed earlier because like that sounds like the responsible thing to do. Like that's not a compelling reason. And it can actually be pretty difficult to find a truly compelling reason to do something. But that's really where your motivation is going to come from when you nail that piece of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked about that several times on this show about discovering a purpose, about finding your why. And my thoughts on that is it has to be something that matters deeply to you. You know, Mm -hmm. my why can't be your why, because if I'm just doing something because it's important to you or because you tell me that I should be doing it, it doesn't connect with maybe it's my values, maybe it's my personality. And so I think that's a bridge that you have to make as well. It's like I have 
this thing that I want to do, but what's my reason for doing it? And how does that connect with, you know, the way that I see the world or my values or my core beliefs? And the values piece of it is, is really important because when we're stumped about the reason we should do something like unload the dishwasher, going back to our values will typically get us pretty close to the answer. What is it that I value? I value kind of order in my home or I value, um, you know, showing myself that I could do hard things even like whatever it is, we can typically find a way to frame even some mundane tasks as, as compelling if we go back to our values. Mm -hmm. And that even makes me think about, so Patrick Lencioni is one of my favorite authors, speakers, you've probably heard of him or maybe read some of his stuff. And so he writes in The Advantage, which is different from a lot of his books. Most of his books are fables. The Advantage is a little more, I don't know what the word is. It's not narrative because there's not a story, but it's a little more just him talking in first person. But as he talks about values, he talks about the difference between things like aspirational values, which are the values that we hold dear because we think that they sound good. We think that people expect them of us. There's the permission to play values, which are similar. You know, I feel like I have to have this value or people are going to think that I'm nuts or that I don't care about people. And I guess having that thought brings me to just sort of this question that I wonder about, which is how difficult is it for the average person to be honest, either with others or with themselves about what they truly value? I think it's very, very difficult. Um, and that's something that I spend a lot of time on with the clients in my clinic is being able to distinguish between what we want and what we want to want or what we wish we wanted. And our, our brains are so good at conflating those that it can be very difficult to know the difference. But being able to tease that apart is helpful because when we can set goals around what we actually want rather than what we wish we wanted, we're going to be much more successful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that there's ways that you can look at your life or audit your life and determine what those values truly are. You know, if I tell you I value one thing, but you look at the way I spend my time or my money or you spend time with me and you hear the things that I talk about and that subject never comes up, then you're probably going to question, is that something that I really value? Or are you feeling fulfilled in your life, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to spend our time um, misaligned with our values. And that's typically where people start to feel like they're just not satisfied in life, which means we want to like shape their, their life to be more in line with their values. So it could be that they got their values wrong, or it could be that they got their behavior wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously you've done a lot of work with procrastination. We could call you an expert in procrastination. And I think that that would be fair to say, but I'm curious, what are some of the questions that you're still asking yourself about procrastination? What's your growing edge as you think about the subject? I really, even though I, I, my thesis is that the emotion regulation piece is critical for figuring out procrastination. That's a really complicated and big idea. Um, and so that is something that I'm continuing to try to understand, which is how do emotions really play into the procrastination cycle? And what are the most effective ways that you know we can, can leverage feelings to help us rather than seeing them as an obstacle. I think most of the time people see a feeling as an obstacle and try to like get rid of it. And that's not super effective. Most of us can figure out, but we don't really have a great alternative. And so that's what I'm trying to figure out is how do we use the feelings like overwhelm or boredom or whatever it is that's interfering with productivity and use that to our advantage rather than seeing it as an obstacle. I don't have the answer to that, which is, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm trying to figure out. Right. No, those are good questions. And I'm not here to say like, oh, I do have the answers, but yeah. 
I'll share a couple of thoughts and we'll see if anything yeah. resonates. So the first thought that comes to mind is from Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart. I don't know if you've read that book or not, but one of the key things that she says towards the beginning, it's a book about different emotions. And one of the things that she said that stood out to me is if we can name the emotion, we have power over it. If we can't name it, then it has power over us. And so I think about the example that you shared where someone feels something and they try to push it below the surface or ignore it, act like it's not there. And that's not helpful. We need to acknowledge our feelings because again, feelings are data. They're trying to tell us something. And then the other thought that I have as a coach, as someone who is having developmental conversations with people is how can we use those emotions, especially those negative emotions to grow and develop ourselves. I may not enjoy the feeling of being stressed or overwhelmed or like I'm approaching a task that is more difficult than what I have the ability to do. But then I also wonder like, what does that make possible? How can I stretch? How can I grow? How can I improve myself as I address whatever that issue might be? Yeah, both of those techniques are are really important. So the first one you mentioned is the, we call it the name it to tame it strategy. So yes, when you can name a feeling that inherently takes away some of its power, so it's not quite as intense and not quite as intrusive uh, or obtrusive to your life. So that's, that's definitely a helpful one. Yeah. And the second point you made about growth um, with that, yeah, the, the idea here is that the truth hurts, right? And so encounter like going to the edge of that truth, right? The edge of that word you used, the edge of that truth that I actually feel pretty overwhelmed by just unloading the dishwasher. I can judge that and say that I shouldn't feel that. Or I can just confront it and say like, that's an uncomfortable truth that something like unloading the dishwasher feels overwhelming to me or feels like something that I can't approach. I'm having the thought that I just can't do it. And being able to confront that reality about ourselves and just acknowledge that that is true about ourselves can lead to a lot of growth if we just have the humility to say, yeah, that's that's true about me, that this is something I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And acknowledging that it's there, you know, it just brings us awareness. It's not like if we pretend we don't have food stuck in our teeth, it's going to go away or someone doesn't tell us like it just it doesn't change the situation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It just makes us aware of the way that things already were. And then that's empowering because it enables us to do something about it. Right. And so here, yeah, you're making a great point here about how we start to leverage the emotions. So rather than seeing those emotions as an obstacle to getting something done, we can see them as, oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn something about myself. And like that now it's now it's a challenge rather than an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that there is even just a good one liner. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love exactly. that. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I'll give you the last word if there's any you know, thought that you have that you want to share or any ideas that we haven't gotten to yet. And then I'll give you a chance to share about where people can find you. Yeah, just to reiterate my my you know sort of main argument when it comes to productivity and procrastination and motivation, it's all about the feelings. And so if you are struggling with doing something, feeling motivated to do something or actually getting it done, I would challenge you to think about what are the feelings that are coming up for you when you approach that task and create a plan for addressing those feelings that goes along with the plan of how to actually get it done. Um, I think that will 
lead to a lot more success. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything about me is at HaydenFinch.com. Um, if you go to HaydenFinch.com slash procrastination, you'll find a free PDF where I break procrastination down into its different steps. So you can kind of figure out for you, where is it going awry? And then I have my favorite concepts and skills and tools to use for each of those. So you can kind of figure out where to start with getting back on track with procrastination. Yeah. I love that. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And the last thoughts that I'll share regarding that feelings piece, if you take time after something, even if it's, you know, a day that doesn't go like you want or a time when you, you know, didn't reach a goal or missed a habit and you think about what you were feeling in the moment, it's uncomfortable. And some people don't do it because they feel like, oh, I'm just beating myself up for not doing what I said that I wanted to do. But in reality, you're examining what happened and you're learning about what you can do differently next time to improve yourself. It's not about, you know, saying, well, I dropped the ball like I didn't do what I'm supposed to. It's about learning from the situation and then improving the next time. So I think that's so insightful. And I really have enjoyed this conversation. Hayden, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle. And it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my midweek momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at bradyross.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it. 